Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris and uh, we're going to be speaking from chapter 42 of our book and this is about where Jesus fed the 4,000. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Many in the multitude of more than 4,000 had come far. His disciples replied, When should we have so much bread in the wilderness to feed such a great multitude? Jesus asked, How many loaves have ye? The disciples answered, Seven, and a few little fishes. Then Jesus commanded the multitude to sit on the ground. He took the loaves and fishes, gave thanks, and broke them. He handed them to his disciples, who passed them to all that were there. When all had eaten and were filled, the remaining fragments were gathered together, and filled seven baskets. Then Jesus sent the multitude away. I think it's interesting here that we see again Jesus concerned about our physical need. Um, He is not ignorant of these needs. Um, As a matter of fact, it's one of the things that um, I believe that changed uh, in his understanding of mankind when um, this, this eternal, I'm assuming eternal, we don't have any scriptures to say so, but uh, I believe that uh, this eternal being, uh, as the the Son of Man who sat with the Father in heaven in glory uh, before the foundation of the world, um, I believe that uh, this, as he took on the form of flesh, I think he started to understand some things about uh, some of the compulsions that we live under in our in our world and one of them is hunger i i know it would be a general statement and probably arguable in in many uh, aspects but i have a real hard time believing that most americans have ever felt hunger in their life Uh, most of us eat and i think that the that the obvious um, and apparent girth of the average american the uh, our our biggest health problem is, is that we are overweight. I think it's uh, very apparent in that we eat because of our appetite and not because of our hunger. Um, you know, in spiritual terms, just to, just to take an aside here, I think that it's one of the um, gluttonous forms that has taken place and taken root, taken hold of many of Christians today. Uh, there are people who are just fascinated um, with the spiritual um, advancement that comes. I mean, when you when you first become a Christian, and especially those who have not been in the church all their life, and they don't they don't really know anything. They're excited about their new life, just like somebody just taking up bowling uh, or taking up golf. You know, they go down to the pro shop and they start looking at the equipment, or they. St- they start hanging around people who do play golf or do bowl or whatever else they do. 
And, uh, and Christianity uh, drops into one of those categories of hobbies that many people have. It's one of my complaints. Many times um, uh, I will look over a, an old uh, email list that we use here at Think Red Inc. Ministries. Um, and by the way, we, we have policies here that are probably not predominant in many uh, Christian ministries, and that is that if um, uh, y- y- we take people off of the email list all the time. You know, when was the last time we heard from this person? Or when was the last time these people attended a feast? When was the last time I heard, got an email from them or got a letter from them? I don't even, you know, I, I hardly even remember this person. It's a very sad thing to see, but um, there are hundreds. You know, I I, would venture to say thousands of people who have been removed from our email list simply because they don't participate in what we do. Now, why would I do that? What does it it cost, 15 cents more (laughs) to email, you know, 10,000 other people? Even if that much, I don't know. It's not a matter of money. It is a matter of, um, of uh, conscience on my part that uh, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not you know, casting pearls before swine. I'm not doing it. Um, the, these things are things that we pursue, and we constantly pursue them for the rest of our life. Nobody graduates from this. <laughs> it's, it's something that you just do forever. Something that I do forever, something you should do forever, is we're constantly uh, looking to grow and become better people and the people that God expects us and, uh, and created us to be. And uh, from time to time, we uh, purge our email list. I, I sometimes jokingly say that I have something that no other preacher on earth has. And what is that? Well, it's an email list of people who actually want to hear from me. <laughs> and, um, and if it becomes apparent, uh, that, and if you are one that uh, has registered at thinkredinc.com and all of a sudden you realize that you're not getting our email anymore you know you're not hearing what's going on here you're not getting our newsletters you're not getting any you know you're not hearing from us anymore it's because you've been booted (laughs) Um, and although everything that we do in this ministry is free we're not really asking anybody for anything from them but i would like to have your attention if i could have that um so there is, um, uh, I just noticed that, you know, as you go through these lists and you see all these people that are just gone, where in the world are they? Many of them have gone back to their old lives. Many of them have gone back to sin. Some of them have gone back to their, chur- to their churches or their respective uh, uh, congregations or whatever. And uh, we just don't hear from them anymore. And I, I fully understand that. We don't preach an easy message here. There's, there's, nothing, there's no easy believism here. There's no greasy grace. There's no sloppy agape. Uh, you know, everything here requires somebody to put forth some kind of an effort. And I understand that's a little uncomfortable. But you look at that long list and you think, where are these people? And I've had staff look at me and say, you know, where are these people? How, why are they gone? And, and I looked at her and said, well, look, truth is, Christianity to most people is just a hobby. It's just a hobby. It just occupies a, a, a slot in their life that would be better portrayed, better uh, defined as a hobby 
than somebody who has dedicated their life toward it. It's just, it's just a fact. It happens. And um, there are many called, and there are even fewer chosen. Why is that? Because many are called, they answer the call, they turn it into a hobby, they turn it into a learning experience, and they, they may or they may not appreciate or like what they're doing. Um, and, you know, there's, there's just no way to tell. But most of this comes from this American appetite. As I say, I don't know if an American's ever experienced hunger. I don't know if you ever have. Most of us eat because of appetite, or because it's time to, or because it's social, or because whatever reason. But many of us have never sat, sat down to a meal because we were indeed hungry. Our bodies have told us that it's time for food. You can train your body to do that. Um, and you, but, you know, a belly growl is not hunger. And if you've never experienced hunger, it's a very, very unpleasant thing. And, uh, and it requires immediate attention. Appetite, not so. Doesn't really acquire, require immediate attention. Um, but many of us eat for that cause, those purposes, but not because of hunger. I think it's interesting, and I've explained to you before, the amount of temptation. Uh, Jesus' uh, hunger returned after 40 days of fasting, which was an indication of starvation on his uh, part in, in, in this particular case. Um, and uh, this is why the temptation of making stones in the bread was uh, probably the gravest and the hardest and, and, and the strongest temptation that could ever be in, in the case of hunger. Now, a man who understands hunger, and Jesus did, uh, was concerned that these people who have come are now into the third day of not eating, and, uh, and he says, you know, that's a long trek home, and if they faint in the way, I've not done them any good. And so his concern was that we need to feed these people. The Bible talks about um, that blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I do not believe that the Bible uses words indiscriminately. I think that it means exactly what it says in that they have a hunger. This is a need. This is a need for nourishment, not a desire. There's just a big difference here that's very difficult to explain to someone who's never really been hungry. Um, it's the, the trouble with the Christians today who spend a lot of time, eh, they're YouTubing and they're, they're Facebooking and they're, you know, they're on the Internet and they're watching videos of people that have all these wild ideas and, and, and it, just, it just gets crazy. Uh, I don't know how people sort it all out in their mind, but they seem to. But I, they mostly are doing what they're doing because they have a desire, not because they recognize a hunger. You can, it, it is easy to find, and, and new, people who know more about nutrition than I do will, will verify this, that the, the size or the, you know, the girth of a person has absolutely nothing to do with their state of nutrition. Now, when a person is exceptionally large, 
uh, they, it may be that they're eating well uh, and eating good food. It also may be that they are starving. It also may be that they are absolutely malnourished in that condition, uh, which is, I understand, the case more so than, than the latter. And um, so we have Christians today that are fat with knowledge and books and teaching and DVDs and all these things that seem to occupy and satisfy for a moment their candy bar desire for a good steak dinner. And they don't understand the difference. Uh, You can ruin a good steak dinner with a Snickers bar, you know, 20 minutes beforehand. And, uh, And I'm really afraid that this is the case. There are several things that we can do about this. One of them is that we can be fed as our God decides that feeding is necessary, which is the premium way to live. There, you can find many cases where um, people are uh, searching for a particular concept or a particular doctrine or a particular idea in the Bible, and they're flipping through. and go, They have not been instructed of the Lord in this area. They are not ready for the information. They're not ready. They have no place to put the wisdom if it was given to them. They have no place to put the knowledge if it were given to them. And, but they have a desire to know. There is a huge di- difference between our, a desire to be well-versed in the Scriptures to not be so biblically illiterate. I understand that. Uh, it, it, it's a sad thing to find Christians who are biblically illiterate. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's a very refreshing thing because the, these are people who, uh, they're, they're making no pretense. They're not swallowing things simply because they're handed to them. But as a matter of need, they receive from the Lord what they need. I think that a lot of this comes from uh, it's that uh, it's it's that uh, depression syndrome um, we are you know our society is 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 way far removed from the depression nowadays but it necessarily was not remote to your parents and especially to your grandparents and there were times of starvation and and need and depravity in those situations places to live clothes to wear, food to eat, these kind of things, that scars that scarred them so much so that as their life progressed, they carried some of that, that fear with them, and it actually caused hoarding, it caused uh, greediness, it caused overeating, it caused overstockpiling. Uh, it, uh, it, it's, it's the fuel uh, when it comes to uh, insurance, you know, I, I had a I had a house fire recently. Now I'm a big believer in insurance. I think you ought to be insured. Well, you know, before that, it, yeah, you know, take it or leave it. But it is need and necessity and tragedy and these kind of things that actually form our lives uh, as as the as uh, as they progress. Now. The need for spiritual nourishment uh, should actually be meted out by the teacher, not 
a teacher, not any teacher, not just a Bible teacher, not just a guy that you've decided is, is a good man. He might be a good man, but uh, we are to be taught of the Lord. Jesus says, learn of me. Now, many people take that, the scripture that says, learn of me, and they apply that this way, as if it says, learn about me. Well, more, more about Jesus, right? That's what we want. We want to learn more and more and more. But the truth is, when he says learn of me, he's not saying learn about me. He's saying learn from me. I am your teacher. One is your teacher. I don't know how I can get this across in any better, clearer, sharper, or more concise way than the Lord Jesus himself when he says, I am your teacher. One is your teacher. One is your rabbi. One is your revered one. Or as we say in English, one is your reverend. That's right. Be ye not called reverend, he said. He said, because one is your reverend, one is your rabbi. That's me. And all of you are brethren. Well, if he is the teacher, he's the one that stands outside the door and rings the bell to call class to order. And I know, do you think you're just missing out? Do you, do you have some kind of a guilt feeling about not reading your Bible every day or not pursuing this, this way of Christianity? Look, you can pursue a, a good, solid Christianity by going into the kitchen and baking a pie and carrying it over to your neighbor. I mean, th there, there is more good in that than, than memorizing a hundred verses today. You, do you understand that Christianity is an enhancement of life? It's an enhancement of life. Life is not just a, an addendum to Christianity. Christianity is not just an addendum, an addition, uh, an annex to your life. Christianity is an enhancement of life. It makes life work. It makes us work from the inside so that we're not uh, just uh, outformed. We are informed. We, uh, our education comes from within. That is, that is the plan of God. It was the plan of God from the Garden of Eden. That, is, that, was, what, that was what he intended from the very beginning. I think that when we talk about these kinds of appetites, I think two things are very important to know. One of them is Jesus is fully aware of these things. He says, I have compassion on the multitude. Now, it's easy to look at him and see him, you know, reach down to a lame man and say, would you like to walk? And he had compassion on him. He had compassion on the deaf man. He had compassion on this man, that man, this woman, that woman, this child, that child. It's easy to understand that. But here he says, I have compassion on the multitude. There's something to that. There's a multitude of people out here that have left their, their physical lives, their temporal lives, and put their whole lives on hold to come out here and learn of me. I have compassion on those people. And I, I want to make sure that their needs are met. Now, I just have a hard time believing that uh, his
compassion uh, and concern for these people was uh, simply because, you know, he's just a, a loving, compassionate, nurturing woman. No, I, I believe that this is a, this is a, a very fatherly supplying of a need toward his people, toward his family. And I, I think that, first of all, our problem is that we don't necessarily understand this in its fullness. Do you know that he will supply our needs? You know, Paul was trying to get across to us that I'm sure the Father is going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's how he's going to do it, by Christ. This, was, this is understood. These kind of things should be settled within us that our physical needs, if, if we pursue righteousness with the hunger and the thirst, that all these other things will be added unto us. When he talks about the word being sown and the seed fell among the, the, the thorns. He says, these thorns that grew up and choked the word, what were they? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust, the desires for other things. And our desires can be, I think, that you know, generally and you know, in a blanket fashion, I think you'd be closer to right if you just took the attitude that if it's a desire, it's not good for me. Now, that does not mean that needs are not good for you. And as a matter of fact, needs tend to bring a person closer to the one who supplies those needs. Matter of fact, I know they do. And if you have needs and you're meeting them, who becomes your God? It's your own self. Well, it wasn't it Job that says, you know, if I've kissed my hand? <laughs> or God says, now let me tell you something. When I bring you into the land, you're going to find wells that you didn't dig. You're going to drink water out of a well you didn't dig. You're going to eat fruit from trees you didn't plant. You're going to eat uh, vegetables out of a garden that you didn't go out there and hoe and weed, nor plant and seed and water. And, and he says, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to say, my hand hath gotten me all this. Oh, really? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, more than likely. Why is that? Because we don't understand the Father supplies our need. And here we have Jesus saying, it's not that I'm compassionate on one guy or one girl or one man, one woman, or one nation of people. I have compassion on the multitude. Anybody that's in this fold, is gonna, I'm going to see to it that they're going to be fed. This is a wonderful promise. Now, the other thing that I don't think people understand is that, um, you know, outside of a, of a miracle like Elijah being fed by ravens, uh, manna falling from the, from the heavens, and these kind of things, there were needs met in supernatural ways. But in many cases, you should understand that if it is the Lord's intention to feed the widow that lives down the road, you know, five or six doors down from you, uh, it's going to be a human hand that creates, uh, that, that, that physically creates food, brings it in, cooks it or prepares it or whatever. It's going to be human feet that, that take it and put it into a, into a little bag or whatever. It's going to be human legs that walk it down uh, six houses down. It's going to be human knuckles that knock on the door, and it's going to be somebody who hands a plate of food 
or meets the need of. Food is just a, a, a small example. But it's going to be a human being that does that. Because there's some things that God just cannot do. I don't know if he cannot or will not. I don't know what it is. But you know his attitude is, feed them. If, you're, if your neighbor is hungry, feed them. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Feed him. And it's going to take a human being to make these things happen. Here's the key to this whole thing. Whether you're talking about spiritual understanding, knowledge, wisdom of the Lord, whether you're talking about physical food or the ability or the desire to get up off your duff, get up off of your sofa and see to the needs of the people around you, the people that are in your sphere. I'm not telling you to feed people in India or feed people you know, in, in, uh, in Calcutta or... You know, to, and I appreciate the ministries like feed the children and such as that. But you ought to be ashamed of yourself if there's a child three doors down that needs something to eat and you're feeding somebody in another country or in another state. It's, it's, it's almost ridiculous, but it happens all the time. We need to understand that it's going to take somebody to get up and go do. Jesus has a question for you, friend. If you're talking about the spiritual needs, there are people out there that are babes in Christ. They've just gotten started. They're about that far from quitting. They're about that far from turning around and going back the other way. They're about that far from saying, this doesn't work. Well, these people need spiritual nourishment. They need somebody to come in and pat them on the back, perhaps kiss them on the cheek. I don't know. Whatever they need, it's going to be up to you to make sure those things happen. Jesus has a question for you, my friend. These people need spiritual nourishment. Or these people are hungry and they need to have physical nourishment, physical nourishment needs. In the case of physical nourishment, he asks them, how many loaves have ye? Friend, when it comes to you ministering to other people in a spiritual manner, you're going to take inventory about how much you actually know, about how much you're sure of, about your relationship to God. And that's exactly what you should do because Jesus' question to you is, when it comes to these spiritual needs that people have that you need to minister to, how many loaves do you have? This can be embarrassing. Look, I know they got problems. I know they're discouraged, but so am I. Well, why are you in that condition? How long have you been a Christian? 30, 40, 50 years? And you're still depressed? And you still don't trust God? And you still don't know that he's going to feed you? You still don't know that he's going to avenge you of your adversary? You still don't know vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord? You still don't know all these, all these easy things that you should know? What in the world is going on? How many loaves do you have? Answer to the question in many cases is none. Look, our time is gone now. And we'll, we'll talk about these things as time goes by. All right, until then, we'll see you next time. Until then, think red ink. We'll see you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email 
Don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.